0: Hey folks, Ned here. Over the past 25 years, I've talked with thousands of parents of high school students, parents who care deeply about their kids' education and how they deal with stress and the pressure to succeed. But these parents need to work with a team they trust won't just pile on more pressure to achieve better grades and scores. This is why I started Prep Matters in 1997 to create a different kind of experience for test preparation, tutoring, and college admissions planning. This podcast and my books reflect our company's philosophy and approach to helping students. If you have a high school student and would like to talk about putting in place a plan, please get in touch with us. Visit our website at prepmatters.com or call 301-951-0350. That's 301-951-0350. Thanks. And now back to our show. Every year brings new things, ideally some growth, probably some challenges, and maybe even a little reflection. As I end 2023 and you do the same, I thought I'd share with you a few of my reflections as a parent, as an educator, as the host of the Self-Driven Child Podcast. Welcome to the Self-Driven Child Podcast. I'm your host, Ned Johnson, and co-author with Dr. William Stickstrude of the books, The Self-Driven Child, the science and sense of giving your kids more control over their lives. And what do you say? How to Talk with Kids to Build Motivation, Stress Tolerance, and a Happy Home. So a few thoughts. One is this, that when we see kids struggle, particularly in things involving school uh, and things where they mark themselves compared to other people or we mark them compared to other people, we can get anxious and work really hard to help kids catch up. But my thought is this, kids tend to heal up before they catch up, not the other way around. Especially with two and a half years now into COVID, and we read all the reports about way the kids have had learning loss and all the struggles, and we can put all of our energy into helping kids catch up, catch up, get ahead, whatever that happens to mean. But in my experience, I've seen kids heal up and then catch up. I've seen this in my own life with my own kids, and certainly with a lot of the students with whom I work. We talk about long COVID and the long-term effects of that. And I think it's important to remember that even if it isn't the long COVID, it's the long-term effects of COVID. My wife's a school teacher and talks about, as many people do, that seeing eighth grade kids who act like they're sixth graders or 10th graders who will act like they're eighth. And we often attribute this to learning or lessons that haven't been gathered, but importantly, at least for me, a lot of this has to do with brain development, particularly healthy brain development. And as Lisa Demore pointed out, COVID was kind of a one, two, maybe three-year exercise in avoidance. And it's easy for people to get locked into that avoidance. And then by avoiding things that are stressful, but also challenging and more so opportunities to grow, some of those opportunities to grow haven't happened yet. Taking a note from Carol Dweck, and so it can be stressful for us as parents or as teachers, there's really anyone seeing young people who seem so far behind and we want to hurry up, come on, catch up, catch up. You got, you got to catch up, man. And of course, that stress that we feel becomes stress that they feel. And we're back to more avoidance. The second thing that I reflect on is that in terms of healthy nervous systems for a person, for a family, for a community, we have inflows of stress and we have outflows of stress. And when the inflows of stress are greater than the outflows of stress, every kind of bad outcome that you can imagine comes around from excessive drinking to uh, domestic violence to school avoidance to mental health disorders and on and on it goes. And I was thinking about this the other day because at the Saturday morning, I saw a whole bunch of kids, the first six of whom were all young women diagnosed with anxiety. And in case you don't know, young women tend to be more vulnerable to developing anxiety and depression than do young men for a whole bunch of reasons. And these are all now 11th grade kids. So COVID for them would have been at the tail end of eighth grade and going into the ninth grade in times when, again, young brains are being developed. And so when I talk with them, uh, not just about you know test prep and all the work that I do, but endlessly about sleep and exercise and things that are not only valuable for their mental health and actually good for test scores in case anyone's interested. For kids who oftentimes know how they want to perform, but they haven't yet acquired the tools or the balance of tools so that they have as many healthy outflows of stress as they do inflows. And it's something that's really true for us as parents as well, and I'll, I'll come back to later, but one of the healthy outflows of stress for all young people is the degree to which the parents can be a non-anxious presence and sort of act as a stress sponge to take stress out of the family and out of the developing bodies and brains of young people. Tied to that about being a non-anxious presence, as parents we want to help solve problems oftentimes for our kids, but at least ideally with them. So their kids developing the ability to handle and solve problems for themselves. And one of the challenges that happens when we're more anxious than kids are is they don't bring problems to us. They hide them from us, in part because they may not want to deal with our angst. But oftentimes they're just, they don't want to make us upset. They don't want to disappoint us. They don't like seeing us stressed. And so when we feel more stressed or seem more stressed to our kids than they want us to be, they don't bring problems to us. And it's pretty darn hard for us as parents or as educators to solve problems that we don't know about. And so, one way to put this together is if we remind ourselves when things aren't going well, whose problem is it? Whose problem is it? And it is our kids' problem. And it's our job to offer help and to be there to help them, but not to try to be overly anxious and grab the steering wheel from them and solve problems for them. I think about this because as I'm recording this, it's the holidays. And this time last year, my delightful son, our delightful son, uh, had finished his semester. We were all getting together and traveling to Montreal, Canada. We don't live far from there. I would just spend a weekend. And again, the semester had ended. And I kind of asked my son, I said, were well, you able to get all those papers done? They overdue on?" He said, well, the professor gave me an extension. And I said, uh-oh. So yeah, but they're due at the end of the week. I'm like, dude, we have, <laughs> you've already left school. It's the end of the semester. I know, I know. But the professor said they're due at the end of the week. Okay. How many papers do you have to do? And I think the answer was roughly a million. And I was, uh, I admit to being pretty stressed about it. One, because I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you've left semester with all your textbook and you still haven't handed these things in. And two, I said to him, I don't get to start my holiday until I get you back. And as long as you are up to your ears in papers, I just, I, I, you know, I don't get to enjoy you. Part of me wanted to, frankly, take him and throttle. I'm like, what are you thinking of all these papers? To do? How could you do? And, but I knew that wouldn't help. So in the back of my head was the wisdom of my friend Bill Stixrud, who said, whose problem is it? And I reminded myself these were his problems, in part because I couldn't help him with this work, even if I wanted to, which ethically, <laughs> obviously, he wouldn't have let me do that. And I wouldn't want to, in part because these were papers in Spanish. And so my delightful child, over three days, wrote 32 pages of essays, 20 of them in Spanish. So how did I help? Well, every day I'd say, you know, anything that I can help you with. The answer would always be no. Would you like me to get your breakfast? Sure. Is it cool if I check in with you in a couple hours. Okay. And that's what he did. And somehow this kid powered through and got all these things done. I'm smiling as I tell this story because my son just finished his semester a couple of days ago uh, and he'd come home and he had one more paper due and it was due at midnight on a Friday and he hit send. I had actually gone to bed because I, whose problem is it? And I need my sleep. I'm a better dad when I get it, uh, outflows of stress again. And according to him, he hit send at 11:59 PM. I'm just at midnight, which could only make me think, ha, huh, so you're still ADHD, are you? And of course, this is not an issue of character. It's an issue of chemistry. It's the brain that he has. And part of what he's trying to do, and all young people are trying to do, is to figure out how to make things work. He wants to do well, and he has done well. He does in terms that are a little crazy-making to anyone who isn't <laughs> who isn't him, who doesn't have that remarkable but ADHD brain that he has. And, and much like people who break really late, when you're driving you know you're not going to hit the car in front of you but if you're the passenger it sure feels like you just might and the same thing here with the paper which brings me really to my fourth point the kids want to do well they want to do well and i'll pivot over to my daughter who has been this great exercise in patience and confidence and taking the long in the long view for those of you who don't know, my daughter has had a very bumpy way through middle school, full school refusal for the last three months of eighth grade, a lot of complicated stuff during high school, health stuff, mental health stuff, on and on it go. Started college last year and was there for three days and then paced out. In between, got a diagnosis of autism spectrum disorder, which nobody guessed because she was so good at masking and so darn funny and smart and clever and all that kind of stuff. But she had a Dickens of a time. And for far too long, she would kept muttering under breath, I hate my life. And as a dad, that's awfully hard to hear. And same thing for her mom. And I'm happy to say that she uh, just finished her first semester. And we get these texts from her that say things like, I love my friends. My classes are so great. She asked us whether second semester we would pay for her to take an additional class because according to her school, she's only permitted to take, I don't know, 15 credits or 16 and she wants to take 18. And would we be willing to pay for her to take another semester, another class in this semester because a class that she really wants to take. And my wife and I looked at each other like, what? Because four years ago, five years ago, she didn't want to do school at all. And really didn't want to live her life at all because she said she hated it. And here she is saying, I want to take another class. Oh, and by the way, God grades that <laughs> completely left both of her parents in the dust. And so through all of that, escap- all that adventure with my daughter and things being really hard for an awfully long while, my wife and I never, ever, ever, ever emphasized her academic performance never once looked at her grades, even though we got these emails saying, Hey, they're on board online. Never check the portal. Never, never did it. All of our effort and our focus was on her because remind ourselves that kids and my kid, especially has got a heck of a brain in her head and she wants her life to work out. And the more that I, I know for me, at least the more that I would push on anything, the more she would resist it. And I sure as heck didn't want her to resist what was in her own best interest. And I offer this up because if you're listening to this, chances are you've got a kid or kids where things aren't easy. Because for almost no kid are things ever easy. We went through COVID with all the challenges. Many of you had had the same kind of things. We had two kids who were impossibly sick, one with a brain tumor, and that's my son. He was the easy one to explain. And my daughter with this whole host of other challenges. And so it's hard as a parent when your kid is struggling or sad, lonely, no friends, school isn't going well, you know, sports, music, life isn't going well. And it's so easy not to be overly fearful about their future. But if you remind yourself that you love your kid, they have a brain in their head and they want their lives to work out. And part of the way that we, if you feel like you're locked in a battle with your kid and going around and around in circles and they're resisting what you know is in their own, or at least think is in their own best interest, try to change the energy. There's a story I've been telling quite a bit of late talking with schools, and you guys, you all might enjoy this. If I told this to you before, I apologize. I really like the story. So I'm working with this young man. Uh, I worked with his older sister. She was really academic and made things look easy. And for this kid... Things were harder. He is ADHD, has learning disabilities. He's developed anxiety. He's developed depression. When his dad checked in with me, he was not doing his work until late at night and then staying up through the middle of the night and doing his work between like 1 and 3 a.m., which is kind of a suboptimal way to do school. So I get this email from dad saying, uh, you know, can I talk with you about, well, I've decided to remove all uh, all support to him. Hmm. I'd be happy to talk. So I get on the phone. So the first question I ask is, can you tell me what kind of support have you been giving him? I remind him to do his homework. Uh-huh. How's that working? Not very well. Okay. How many times a day do you remind him to do his homework? Well, not that much. I mean, my wife is the one who really, you know, is on him all the time. Okay. And, and for you, that's what, once, twice, maybe four or five times, which probably means five or six or seven. And his much better half, is more than uh, twice that arguably. And so I said, so he's getting reminded what? six, eight, 10, 12, 15 times a day about his homework? Well, probably. And he gets home from hockey at seven and he goes, you guys go to bed at 11. So what is this like every 15 minutes? And there's a long pause. And I said, well, can I offer a suggestion? He says, okay. I said, try this. When he comes home, I ask him, Hey kiddo, do you got a plan for what you got to do for tomorrow? He says, I do. I do. I do. I want to make him show me plan. I said, for now. Don't make him show you the plan. Just ask whether he has a plan. And if he says yes, say great. And if he says no offer, would you like me to help you make a plan? And if he says yes, help. And if he says no, don't, he's looking at me like, what? I said, okay, next thing on the list. If he has a plan for what he needs to do tomorrow, I ask him, is there anything I can be helpful with? And this guy's real, this dad is, I really like him. He's a little concerned about his kid, understandably, but he's really, he's really sharp. He's very good at the work that he does. And he's got a lot of good ideas. I said, just to offer, is there anything I can help with? And if he says yes, try to follow through as best you can. If he says no, trust him. That's it. Well, no third thing, because you won't be able to do this just once. (laughs) Ask him, is it okay? Get by and get by and get by. And is it okay if I circle back around in an hour and a half or so? And just see if there's anything that you need help with. So you're given this energy that I'm here to help, not that I'm checking in on you to make sure you're on top of it, but I wanted to check in in case you change your mind and I need, and you need some help from me, or I can be helpful in a way. He says, okay. He said, that's it. I said, try it. So later that night, I get an email. This was probably 11 o'clock in the morning we've been talking. I get an email, I don't know, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night. Dear Ned, it may have been the advice you offered, or maybe something else had changed, but He and I just had the best conversation about school possibly ever. We help kids change by changing our own energy. So this kid desperately wants to go to the same school that his super nerdy sister is going to. There's a big family connection there. But it's harder for him. And so this is a kid who needs more support because he's ADHD. He has learning disabilities. He's got some mental health stuff going on. It's all harder for him. And from my experience, when his folks were leaning on him, leaning on him, leaning on him, because they love him so much and they want him to do well, but he was receiving that not in the way that they hoped that he would. And by changing the energy and by, not, by offering not forcing and helping him feel less stressed and therefore less reactive, it made it easier for him to be open to the support that they wanted to give him because they changed the energy. And this goes back to a point I made before about a close connection. This dad loves his kid as much as you love your kids. But the energy that he was giving was not about the relationship, it was about the homework. And when he focused on, well, treating his kid respectfully and saying, I want to help you any way that I darn well can, it made. <laughs> his son be more open to taking advice and also made his son more open to sharing the challenge that he was having in school. And again, this brilliant loving dad was then able to help more effectively with problems that he now understood better. And the last thing I want to say is simply this, that particularly if you've got kids where things aren't going hard, we can help kids get back on the path that they want by taking the long view and having confidence that they want things to work well. They want their life to work out because unlike a video game, this is their one life that they get. And two, we can be more helpful by changing the energy. And the last thing, because I tend to run pathologically optimistic, is that things can get better. I'm not going to be Pollyannish and tell you that I know they're going to get better and it'll all turn out because I don't say things that I don't know to be true. But what I do know is that things can get better. And I've walked this with my kids. Again, we had a heck of a few years there with uh, some really major stuff going on. One kid ADHD and all the challenges that brought on by that. Another kid autistic and nobody knew it. And then some pretty significant health stuff thrown right in the middle of it. Oh, and there's that COVID thing. So it's been a long run for me and my kids. And I'm guessing for you and your kids and frankly, most of the world. And so we wanna take the long view and say that for all the ways that your kids have struggled in 2023 and for years before that, and maybe some time hereafter, that things can get better. I'm confident of that. I've seen it happen with many, many kids. I'll leave you with this. My writing partner, Bill Stichard, got a Christmas card years ago from this family. And he worked with these three kids and they were all, as he described, hot messes, technical term. He's a neuropsychologist, he can use that. And things were really hard. He said he got a a Christmas card from them. Years later, they were all in their 20s and these beautiful beaming young women and their partners and spouses and dogs rolling around and everything else. And inside the card, it said, Dear Bill, you were right. They all worked out great. And so because I roll pathologically optimistic, I'm confident for you and your kids, particularly ones who are struggling, that things can all work out great. So those are my reflections from 2023. Thank you for listening. If you know someone else who you think might uh, benefit from listening on this, please share the podcast. If you have specific things for me that I can help you with or something like me to talk about or things that I can't help help with, but I know someone who can and I can bring them on as a guest, I'd love it. I like to help and I like to think that uh, occasionally I bump into a few ideas that are helpful to you as you help your kids. I hope 2023 was good enough for you and your kids and that 2024 is even better. I'm Ned Johnson, and this is the self Chicken Child Podcast. Hey folks, Ned here. Over the past 25 years, I've talked with thousands of parents of high school students, parents who care deeply about their kids' education and how they deal with stress and the pressure to succeed. But these parents need to work with a team they trust won't we'll just pile on more pressure to achieve better grades and scores. This is why I started Prep Matters in 1997, to create a different kind of experience for test preparation, tutoring, and college admissions planning. This podcast and my books reflect our company's philosophy and approach to helping students. If you have a high school student and would like to talk about putting in place a plan, please get in touch with us. Visit our website at prepmatters.com or call 301-951-0350. That's 301-951-0350. Thanks!